Hey guys, welcome to episode three of Trading with the Guru. A little change today. I know usually we talk more about trading, stocks, finance. I actually had a meeting with my buddy, uh, Greg, who I have here today, uh, yesterday, and a unique story I think he has to share that goes exactly with what we finished with in the last episode. Um, we were talking basically about complacency in the workplace and um, how to combat that. But first, before we start, I kind of want to introduce Greg, um, get his story on what he does, what he provides to businesses here in San Antonio, and, uh, and a little about himself. Go ahead, Greg. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Mal. Absolutely. I'm pretty excited to be here. And uh, can I smoke in here? Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Gregory Valdez. I am the branding and marketing consultant of Gentle Renegade Branding and Marketing. And I focus on small businesses and nonprofits in San Antonio and around San Antonio, going as far as Houston, Austin, and the like, and really helping them create a brand that's telling their story and really telling their story that's not fluff, not trying to get anything out there that isn't about them and making sure that it resonates with everyone it's reaching. And of course, the strategy of actually getting ROI behind any dollar they spend in marketing. Absolutely. So how do, how do you try, I mean, exactly how do you help them tell these stories and how do you track that ROI for them, Greg? It starts with listening, sitting down with a client and actually hearing what their problems, issues are. And of course, the history behind how they even got to that point. How did they have a passion to start the business they wanted to start and go from there? And then actually tracking it, there's a lot of different verticals in which we can look at and see, okay, if we want to go ahead and get leads signed up for data, those become emails that go out to the newsletter and really start generating awareness for organization that goes to engagement. How do we actually start reaching out to potential customers or subscribers or visitors and get them knowing more about the organization, but also hearing back from them and the community that's on social media, that's at events, anything you can think of where we're actually interacting one-on-one -on -one or as close to one-on-one -on -one with a person as possible. And then finally generating sales, tracking that is sometimes the hard part on paper. How do we actually prove that anything going into marketing or advertising is leading to a lift in revenue? And that's just having to look at anything that's coming out of those first two steps and then seeing how they link to the third, whether it's by actual analytics on Google, ad tracking, website analytics, social media analytics. A lot of that becomes me crunching the numbers behind the data to show how it's affecting that revenue. Absolutely, man. Thanks for that wisdom. So, Greg, I know, I know the last time we, me and me and Greg originally met, uh, we were shooting some content for him. What was it? Maybe six months ago. It's. I actually think it might be closer to eight. It's been a while. <laughs> it has been a while, man. Probably close to close to going to a year. But uh, so I met Greg. We were shooting some content out at the lawn in San Antonio. Uh, we got to talking, and I, I, you know, after that shoot, we kind of reconnected. Um, Greg has an interesting story. I think he, he, Greg comes from an advertising background, right? You were with, I don't know what company you were with before, Greg. I started off with Lopez Negrete in Houston, which at the time was the largest independent Hispanic agency in the U.S. And okay. from there, I actually went to McCann, but here in San Antonio. McCann's based out of New York. Some great brands like Microsoft, Chick-fil-A, U.S. Army in particular was the brand I was working with actually on base with clients working hand in hand to create a marketing strategy for the whole left side of the United States. Nice. And how was that experience, Greg? Wild. <laughs> I bet, man. I bet. Uh, what ultimately inspired you, man? I mean, I know, I know you were pretty embedded back when we met and then uh, six months later or eight months later, we're meeting for coffee and you're telling me, Hey, I, I've left the company. I've ventured on my own. What inspired that change, man? Tell me about that. Ooh, I don't want to spoil anything, but we are talking about complacency today, and that has a lot to do with it. And, and thinking about that some more, even last night, this morning, this idea of plateaus and 
as you travel up or down on your journey of professionalism, whatever it is, it could be finance, it could be your profession, your career, it could be romance or even health and fitness. It's this idea of when you're reaching a certain point in your progress, when do you kind of climax and hit a plateau in which you're not progressing up anymore? And if you're not progressing and you hit a plateau, are you going to get to the point where it's the lack of diminishing or it is diminishing returns? And the more effort you're putting into it, you see that you're getting less and less out of it. And for me, in my career at least, that's what a lot of feelings started. A lot of that feeling started coming from my career and what I was doing. And, and not only that, in my personal life, I told you yesterday that at the beginning of the year in January, it all started with a DWI. And it changed my life forever. And coming out of that and having to deal with the court situation, legal things and that matter, luckily a lot of it is passing and I've gotten to a point where it's not a giant legal issue in my life. I've realized that coming out of that immediately after that, there was something not there in my life. There was a big hole. And, um, Would you call it like a void? Definitely a void. I think, and I think, you know, just bring, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I know bringing that up of that void, I, I've met many people. I mean, in my, in my past couple of years, I mean, I remember being when I was a financial advisor and I would, you know, advise these clients and they would say, oh, well, yeah, make, you know, because these people were making great money, but there was always something missing, right? So everybody has, has this mentality that in life, uh, if you're making money, you're fine. But every time you meet those people that are super successful, either whether they're working their nine to five or they're working some corporate job, there's, there's always some kind of uh, void that's missing in their, in their life. Tell us a little about that. That's definitely the case. And so many people don't even realize that there is a void. They feel it, but they don't know what it is. And a lot of that is sometimes tied to money. Yeah, there you go. That's perfect. All right. Yeah, sorry, guys. So we, we disconnect. I don't know what happened with the connection. It must be me. I'm, I'm over here trying to trade oil. And I'm thinking maybe the algorithms are messing this connection. up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're back online, Greg. All right. So go, go ahead. Where, where we picked off was the, the, the uh, void that people live with in their, you know, in their corporate jobs or whatever, whatever they're doing in life that you meet these people that are extremely successful, have a lot of money. But there's always that void, right? We talk about that void that everyone seems to be missing these days. And a lot of it is tied to money. And I was saying how I learned the hard way that money is not important. Now, of course, we have to have money to survive. You have to pay rent. You got to pay bills. You got to buy food. And you have to support your loved ones if you have children, a spouse, anything like that. Yes, money makes the world go round. And uh, a lot of time I like to say, at least nowadays, time is money. But I want to get back to that. The void comes from trying to fill our lives with these ideas and these initiatives that aren't necessarily going to satisfy us on this emotional, spiritual, passionate level. And I found out by really, really going through this idea of I have an issue with alcoholism and addiction and that I was trying to fill the void with not just work, but all these other things that were really just a distraction from what was really missing. And so it still sounds vague, but I have to lay it out like that first because there's so many people who don't realize that they are treating their symptoms, this lack, this void with so many different things. And the funny thing is, the more you throw into this hole, the bigger it gets, and it just consumes and consumes and consumes. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And for me, it was, okay, realizing that I had issues was, was only the beginning. So after this DWI, I started to realize, even though I was no longer drinking and trying to taper down on other vices 
whether it's, you know, addiction related or relationship related or even spending time watching too much Netflix or playing video games or whatever it is. <laughs> it wasn't the alcohol that was a problem. You hear that a lot when it comes to addiction related stories, but I can't emphasize it enough. That was not the problem. What do you, why do you think people kind of just blame the, you know, the external effects of, of their life of, you know, for that voidancy or whatever you want to call it? Why do you think that people just turn to, hey, yeah, it was, you know, I was addicted to this or um, my girlfriend was stopping me from doing, you know, what I wanted to do. Why, why do you, why do you feel that people just resort to that? That's a good point. I, I love that you brought up the, the girlfriend and the relationship issue. It's denial. And it's like, I, I don't want to sound harsh on people, but maybe in the long run, that's what people need to hear first is that a lot of your issues are coming from within you. And it's easier to deny that it's something internal to adopt an external excuse as like, okay, this is what's happening to me. It becomes easier to deal with instead of asking, what is my part in this issue or this problem. And so you look at a relationship and how that might be able to distract you from work, your career, something that you and I both know, there's not enough time in the day to achieve what we want to achieve. Oh yeah. You're absolutely right on that. And how do we balance that with something like relationship saying something like, well, my girlfriend always wants me to spend time with her or my family is always asking me to be there, or my friends and their problems are always causing me to miss these things I'm trying to get done. Again, that's just external. Sometimes you might even have to ask yourself, is this relationship really what I need right now? How selfish is it to actually go ahead and try to hold on to something that is probably not what you need but just what you want and then what's the disservice you're doing to that other person in the relationship same thing goes for family and that's even harder because as they say blood is thicker than water and there's a lot we owe our families yeah and there's a lot of uh, i don't know growing up hispanic and with a large ass family it's a lot of guilt associated with it too it's true, man. I I always think of uh my my first thing every time I wake up, right? I think of, hey, how can I really make my mom's life better or my parents' life better, right? Because you know that they gave you so much, you know, for the past twenty nine years of your life. Exactly. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And so, with that said, the final thing is also looking at okay, who's really there for you, and you're there for them. But then what toxicity is there in your life too? So me at the beginning of this year, nine months ago, coming out of this phase of binge drinking and alcoholism and being in the midst of it and being in a relationship at that time, I started to realize that the void was me trying to take away from everyone but I thought I was trying to give them everything and you can't really see it until you're moving past it or through it in which damn I'm doing a disservice to people and I thought I was being the good Samaritan it's not really tangible at first it's very cloudy and it, again, it doesn't really do justice to explaining what that void is for each person. So I think concretely for me, I was unhappy with myself because that void was me not chasing my passion, me serving somebody else in a way that my successes were not my successes. My achievements in any career or position became somebody's else somebody else's success. And I dealt with that in a lot of different ways that were very irresponsible. And I, I, I just wanted to bury a lot of that self-hate that started to come from me not fulfilling what I knew in my heart was what I wanted to do. 
Absolutely. So walk me through, I mean, the DWI happens, right? So week one, DWI happens. No more drinking. (laughs) It was first not drinking and saying, okay, let's take a step back here. And it was really funny because the DWI was on a night where I wasn't even partying. I was actually, funny enough, or ironic enough, trying to meet up with friends to kind of re-engage and see how things are going and catch up. And since we hadn't seen each other in a long time, I overdid it. And going home, you know, it is what it is. Yep. Coming out of that, okay. So obviously any sort of a partying or binge drinking has to go out the window. And so it so does. You, so so let me let me stop you there, Greg. So that happened, right? Monday comes around. Are you back at work or what are you doing at that point? Oh. Are you still sitting in jail? I on I was I was I was probably in jail for like a good seventeen hours and it was <laughs> I mean, it was pretty bad. Um but but it, a lot of people had it worse for that matter. And yeah. yes, that Monday went back to work and was one of the most devastating feelings because I just had all this baggage coming out of the weekend. Yeah. Funny enough, it was a brand new position. I was starting that Monday at a new company. (laughs) You're going in there and you're, you're cloudy mind, right? Cloudy cloud floating over your head. And you're just like, man, what's going on? Am I, I mean, that's got to feel like a surreal moment. I, I know I've had some traumatizing uh, weekends where, you know, first thing Monday when I go to work, I'm like thinking, hey, am I really here? Or <laughs> That's exactly how it felt. And especially because it was this orientation and into training and to go ahead and hit the floor. Let's see what you can do. <laughs> I, I, I think I overcompensated and I put a lot of effort and time and energy into trying to just, okay, man, I really messed up. Let me go ahead and make this great. Let me make this awesome. And let me make this a major focus. And immediately that started to affect my relationship in a way that, I mean, I thought I was, I was recovering. I was bouncing back. Like, this is what I am supposed to do. I messed up big time. And so yeah, let me go ahead and give all to this company, to these people, and to this job. And I did that. And for a good three, four weeks, it was very successful and very enlightening. And I was doing very well. But as I said, not giving the relationship now the focus that it needed, especially when your loved one is the person who bails you out of jail and gets that call. 4, 5 a.m. that you're sitting in jail. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. That's got to be something. It's, uh, you know, to this day, it's one of my biggest regrets. And that, that becomes two people's story instead of just mine. And so I, I won't really focus too much there. But the bottom line is I neglected the relationship afterwards to the point where it started draining me and stressing me and, again, Things became lopsided. Even though I was a month in of not drinking and starting to go to AA, I wasn't paying attention to my loved one in a way that was causing a lot of resentment. So once I saw that and started trying to pay more attention, that brought out a lot of different stresses and uh, chaos as we were trying to figure things out and fix things. And I was... Like flipping different switches to see what would work. Like, okay, maybe this is it. Oh, that, no, 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 that doesn't work. That's just pissing him off. Maybe this is it. And then that focus from work started to fade. And they started to see something was wrong. To the point where I was, it was an early, it was a job where I had to be in at 8 a.m. And yeah. I, I've already never been a corporate type guy where at the end of the day, I think outside of the box and I think rules are meant to be bent, if you will. Yeah, Not I broken. agree with you on that. <laughs> yeah, but I, at least there's a better way to do things sometimes. Absolutely. 
how did you notice that they, that they were noticing? I mean, did they pull you aside? Did they write you an email? What happened? Well, at first, it was me waking up at 9.30 a.m. getting a call from my boss asking me where the hell I was. <laughs> <laughs> like, pretty pretty obvious everyone. Like, where where is this guy? And it was literally me just from all the stress and coming home from work trying to deal with the relationship or anything else related to it. You know, slightly like finances and like bouncing back there. You had to pay for bail and a lawyer, things like that. Absolutely. Kind of, you know, dealing with that kind of stuff. Usually, how I feel, it disconnects me from life. Yeah, it does. And it did. And so it started just with me getting in late. And then I would have to take days off to go ahead and deal with these situations. And then it was too many days. Like, even though I had the PTO, it was, hey, Greg, you've only been here a month and a half. And you've already taken off four or five days. What's going on? <laughs> you sound like me at my last job, man. <laughs> <laughs> and so now we're at a month and a half in. And okay, they see some things. What am I going to do? So I, I, I try to push the lever up there. Okay, let me, let me go back and give them my all. And that's where chaos really started to begin because I couldn't balance it all to the point where Again, in a, in a way, you, the difference between complacency and hitting these plateaus is where, I, is where I started to see, looking back, I can see that that's, that's where I found out what the difference was. There you go. And that this plateau isn't necessarily related to complacency. It's in realizing that you hit a plateau, this point where things are starting to diminish from the effort that you're putting in that if you're complacent, you will sit through it and you will not do anything about it. If you're not complacent, you are going to step back and figure out what is going on. And so it was really start, stop, start, stop, actually. Going into about month two, two months there, things were going well enough again so that people were off my back. But then... It's like I couldn't get organized in my mind at that point because I had so many different thoughts flowing around constantly. I can imagine. It's anxiety and stress. And going back to anxiety, that would pop up at work. I'd have to like walk outside and like really like try to like get myself and gather myself together, come back in. My uh, my ex actually worked right next to me in <laughs> another, another building, but literally a parking lot across from each other. So it was always a constant thought in my mind. Yeah, say, you could feel that energy, I bet. I mean, oh, yeah. And then I couldn't I'm, I'm a very extroverted person and I, I, I'm not worried about talking about my feelings and sometimes the chaos that's going on in my life because it's good to hear what other people think. And also other people need to hear what's going on. And so I would talk about it at work and we'd have, everyone would have an opinion. Everyone could start to see what was going on exactly and why I was acting the way I was. But as the relationship started to dissolve more and more, I started using what PTO I could to take these like mental health days, I would call them. But really, it was this depression that I didn't realize starting to wash over me to the point where it might have been that I was up late dealing with relationship stress and literally talking it out, hashing it out. And I, of course, wake up late to the point where even if, even if my ex wasn't around, and it did get to the point where we separated and, and we were living together and he moved out temporarily at first i i would still take these days off to like try to gather myself but then i wasn't doing anything with the time i wasn't actually using it to be progressive in any way about my situation i was what would you do complacent. oh man i would i would wander around the apartment i would not 
eat. I would just kind of be like, you know, angry and sad and dealing with that by myself. And then watch, as I mentioned before, play video game, watch Netflix, just really wasted time. Yeah. Wasted a lot of time and wasted a lot of time, not trying to look at myself. Those are the days I really should have been trying to actual actually say, okay, Greg, what's up? And why are you feeling this way? And if you, even if you didn't have this relationship, even if you didn't have this DWI, what's going on and why are you unhappy? And it got to the point. So where, what? Yeah. The, go this, ahead. Is, this is kind of the, the crux of it. It got to the point where I had another late morning where the big boss from Chicago had came in. And so <laughs> I, I, I got in about an hour late and walked in and there was already all eyes on me. It was an open floor plan in this office. So coming in through the door, already looking kind of like haggard and, and like rushed Shy towns just looking at you like, what's this guy doing? Oh, it was worse. <laughs> he wouldn't even look at me. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> even though he had his back turned to me, I could feel that heat and hate <laughs> like this guy. And so my boss, a great boss, and at the time, a great mentor, but just, you know, not the right time and place for me, pulls me aside and he says, Greg, what the fuck? There's already two people who called in today. And Big Boss is here. And you knew this is coming up. And you knew the importance of not being here late. Yet here you are an hour late. I can't walk out of this room with you. He had pulled me into like one of the conference rooms. I can't walk out of this room with you without some consequence. Oh, man. But at the same time, I have to ask you, is this really what you want and is this what you want to keep doing because you're good but there's something going on in your life that is causing this distraction i'm willing to so come this back point, for he you. yeah you know, he knew he he noticed i mean he noticed that things were issues were happening and it was definitely affecting either your work you know your career and whatever you were doing right yes and in a way where like he was able to even talk about like this relationship and like and, and mention it and things like that and nothing out of line because it's all things that I had talked about openly in the office and wanting to express myself and share my concerns. But he said that if he was going to fight for me and go to bat for me, from there on out, it would be it would be very gritty and that more eyes would be on me and it would be constantly, there could be no days taken off. There could be no lateness. There could be none of anything that's been going on lately. And it had to be that way for a very long time. And he said, in fact, and I was glad he'd said this cause I was already getting an idea too. I want you to go home for the rest of the day because <laughs> At the very least, that's going to tell Big Boss that I'm punishing you somehow. But between you and I, this is for you to go and figure it out. And at the end of the day, let me know. Or in the tomorrow morning, let me know if this is what you want. And I, I, I got home. And um, like right when I got home, my AA sponsor texted me and just ripped into me about other things. Like, you're not giving enough time. You're not coming to meetings. And, you know, again, another thing I wasn't paying enough attention to. My so you weren't, you weren't showing up to your AA meetings either. Yeah, I wasn't even giving my recovery the due diligence required. <laughs> and <laughs> it was a bad day. And at the time, my ex was already separated from me and living back at home for a while to see what was going to happen. And it was just one, it was a Monday. <laughs> and um, it's just one of those days where, like, I still remember, holy shit, coming out of this day, my life is not going to be the same. And 
I I went ahead and, and thought it through, and I talked to my sponsor, and I explained things, and, and really kind of reincorporated what I would do from there on out, and went for it, and said, you know what, to my manager at the time, I'm going to have to go ahead and leave, because I can't commit to what's going to be required if you fight for me, and I can't do that to you, and I don't want to make that commitment either, because I don't want to screw up and then lose it all. Yep. Coming out of that, I figured, hey, I had been working just a little bit on the side on my freelance and doing branding and marketing and helping some people like really get things going with either like if, if they were needing lead generation, helping them get like appointments with possible clients of their own, things like that, um, particularly in the medical field. And so I was like, well, shoot, if I can just look at this hustle on it and actually make that super successful in my focus, things will alleviate so that, right, you need a job to pay for rent. This can be my job and I can make this full time. And funny enough, I made that decision that Monday afternoon, went ahead and called my manager at the time, let him know what was going on and explained that I wasn't going to pursue. And it was technically a resignation effective immediately um, on, on, on both of our parts. Like he needed, he said, well, that's something we're going to have to do. And I'm going to agree not to fire you because we both know the importance of what that would do to your resume. And I, nice I, guy, man. Yeah. I, I can't thank him enough. He really gave me an opportunity to say either way you go. Okay, I'm sorry to stop you, man. I'm getting a little feedback on the back. Okay, there you go. It's over. Awesome. Yeah, it's the trash guys outside of my apartment. <laughs> no worries, man. No worries. And so going from there was this, okay, let's restart. Of course, everyone in my life was like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> and I had to explain to one by one, mother, father, mom, dad, friends, um, ex, what was going to happen and what I was trying to achieve. I got through another good month of that and things were starting to go well. Um, but the relationship wasn't going to bounce back. And unfortunately, when I started to realize that it crushed me, it, it really took everything away because I felt like everything I was fighting for then was for nothing. That's not true though. It, it, it's something I couldn't see at the time, yep. but it stalled me then for another good two, three weeks until I could pick myself up, look at what I had to do for my freelance and start rebuilding again. But it's at that point that I had a good friend because my lease was ending at the time too. It was all a bunch of chaos and what's going to happen to me. I've got nowhere to go. I don't have an apartment. I don't have a relationship to fall back on to support me with. And I can't even leave the county because I'm on probation because of my DWI. So I can't go back home to Houston. Where's home at? Houston. Yeah, and be with my family and see if I can try to rebuild there. I was stuck. <laughs> and I had a friend who put me up in his apartment for two months while he was on clinicals in Denver. So for me, that time was, and I was telling you about it yesterday, like rehab in a lot of different ways. Nice friend, man. Yeah. He really put one out there for me. And I know for him, because of the chaos he saw in my life, it wasn't easy for him to have that trust and to go ahead and put that on the table. And luckily, it was something that paid off uh, for him and I. And him just because his apartment wasn't burned down when he got back. <laughs> and. Yeah, yeah. And for me, because I was able to go ahead and start literally for a month and a half, a month and three weeks at the most, rebuild. And at first it was days of deep depression and not being able to get out of bed. That went from not wanting to do anything to trying to just run with the, the already, like, stress depression induced weight loss and turning it into 
turning that into a workout that was actually educated. And I was talking to you about yesterday and researching my physiology and biology and seeing how I could be at the apartment and do things that were actually healthy as a workout instead of just losing weight because I was depressed and not eating and started to balance that and started to take my successes there and then gathered what I had in the resources in my actual items that I own. This limited edition Pulp Fiction poster that I'm never going to make again. This Dallas Mavericks sports memorabilia I got from a client. This whatever. And start doing, you know, the Gary Vee flip life and put on opera, put on let go, put on Craig's. <laughs> See what's you're, ma- you're making money. You're making money doing these, uh, these flips on, you know, different products that you're buying or finding throughout the city. Or that I had and I just could never let go of for different reasons. <laughs> nice man and um and i will admit whenever i go on a run even to this day i pay very special attention to the trash that's on the floor <laughs> because you never know what you're gonna find and you know that's what it's about it's like being a scavenger yeah there's i mean there's always opportunity to flip anything in my opinion man you got to get your hands dirty <laughs> it's true it's true from there started learning about how can I deal with my debt and whether it was like, like I downloaded a credit karma that, you know, it was just like, Whoa, like what? It, like, I didn't even know about all this stuff and my credit score and Holy shit. I can see all my loan debt from college and okay. Literally what are some next steps I can take day by day or like the morning I downloaded the app to start right now getting some of this out of the way. And as I did that, I started trading stocks and using some of that cash from the flips into investing in stock trading and teaching myself about that. Again, it became this idea too of to combat the complacency, always be learning. It's like in Gary, uh, Glenn, Gary, Glenn Ross, Alec Baldwin's, you know, you put that coffee (laughs) down. Always be closing. (laughs) Exactly. But then it became the idea of always be learning. And I was, I get goosebumps just talking about it because if I didn't have that idea, I would not be here today. Whether it was me watching what you yourself was doing on Instagram and your trading to inspire me. And that's something I didn't even tell you yesterday. Thank you for that. It was, it was those things that got me through it. And okay, penny trade, penny stocks turn into higher volume and then higher volume turn into, okay, let's get in the. 15 to $50 a share range to this day. I'm still not trading Apple and Amazon, but you know, really paying attention and focusing on if any loss was there, could I write it out? And if I'm gaining, am I gaining big? And then taking that in a way and applying it to life too, like just every day outside of the stock trading, like any move I'm making, any sacrifice and any effort, is it going to outweigh any loss? And is it going to, if possible, and it just started growing. And I started as I, I saw the achievements of success coming out of this really motivated me. And that again, the workouts became more well-rounded, the attention to finance and debt became more well-rounded. And I was ready to start doing the branding and marketing consultation again. Like really dedicated to it, and like I mean, God, the universe, what have you, works in very mysterious ways. One day I got a call from, and and, and I I'd started started dabbling with this magazine at the time, and I'm not going to go into that because it, it really didn't work out. And it's something where I had to back away from because it was like, oof, that's a lot of time I could put into this, and if I put any more, then I'm losing money. Yeah, and I couldn't afford that at that time. So I got a call from this buddy who worked at an agency that I worked at at Lopez Negrete in Houston, and he wanted to bring me in on a pitch. Well, I got it all suited up. I got my game face back on, and for the first time in a long time, I was feeling it. And I'm like, I'm ready. Let's do this. This is going to be big. 
we went out, we pitched it, and didn't hear anything for like three weeks. And then it was a very, yeah, you know, maybe we just want you to do our social media. And it was like, oh, like, okay. That's not what I expected. I thought this was going to be a big win. Yeah. That was, that was about two and a half months ago. From there, it was been learning to deal with loss and failure and learning from what could be perceived as failure. I don't think that was a failure, but there was something to learn from it. And kind of that hustle began again. And, and the hustle began uh, every day you got to wake up and you got to redo it. And I just kept going, kept going and decided anything that would be complacent would be me sitting around and not trying to keep achieving these ideas that I have. I was able to get a new apartment. I'd saved up enough at that point. I was able to start doing some lead digging for my own clients. At the same time, I'm still like flipping, still hustling, still day trading, things like that. But I really wasn't feeling like calling myself a brand name marketing consultant again. So kind of like, I don't know what I am. But you, you were still kind of exploring what you what you really wanted to do, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's like I, I knew that's what I wanted to do, but I, it was hard to like pick it up daily and, and hunt for a client to hunt for somebody. So, I mean, talk about your day-to-day now, right? Because right now you're far from being complacent, what it seems like, (laughs) unlike uh, unlike a lot of people that I meet. I mean, I have some days where I even, even myself, I feel complacent. But what's what's your routine like? What what fuels your motivation day-to-day? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm going to, yeah, I'll step away from two months ago and get into a new apartment and where things really started to lift up again to where I'm at now. And I will take you just through something like today. So waking up at 8, 9 a.m. I have that luxury now. I say, fuck it. I'm sorry if somebody else doesn't. And I'm not going to feel guilty for having that luxury of being able (laughs) to create my own schedule. And I I can see it on people's faces when I tell them. Like, But I use that in a way where I get up and I do the important things first. Oh, yeah. Sure, I'm eating a good meal. I go out and do the workout. And it's at the same time that idea of always be learning. Even if I go out on the workout or I'm sitting down having my breakfast, coffee and a cigarette, I'm always going through a different newsletter, different article, something to be reading. When I'm out on that run, when I'm out working out, Always paying attention. Again, what's on the sidewalk? Who's out there? Always fucking smiling. Talk about smiling, yeah. I mean, really the element of, of the, what I'm picking up from this is two elements. is the element of gratitude in life, right? And then the element of mindfulness, understanding your surroundings and, you know, going day to day, being mindful of what's going on in your, in your life. Yeah, it's just this mixture of empathy, sympathy, awareness, and not wanting to go back. It's it's hard to not think about the dark places I was at when I look at people and see people out there. Even if it doesn't mean it has to be somebody homeless that you have to care about. It could be somebody that if you're just listening to their conversations, maybe that's a little rude, but <laughs> sometimes people need to be heard and there's nobody listening. And that's what it really comes down to. And that's what I, I guess started to flip for me. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought me back there because, yeah, shit, that, that five months of chaos was um, first humiliating, but then humbling to the point where when I said earlier where money isn't important, I think back on how I was a year ago and, you know, I want to be at the Pearl and I want to be seen and I want to look a certain way and I want to be these things. But what was it doing for me? And now that doesn't matter to the point where 
and, and, and just going from the workout and then going into the work of the day, working the social media, reaching out to people, like really not just trying to do it for brand awareness on my sake, but like shit, even through Instagram, how can I reach out to somebody and connect and make their day better? And how can I make people smile? How can I make people laugh? Um, I'd always done writing. I've always been a creative in, in background. Actually, went to school for it. So in Houston, I'd always wanted to do stand-up comedy. And that was finally something else I could bring on now in my stable here in town. Where, I, like, I don't even remember what called me to go out there. But I went and did some open mic and nice. loved it. And it became a therapy where I could start talking about these things for the first time very publicly. And it's actually through that. And, and thank God I'm at least decently funny that I could actually <laughs> vent and say, this is my story. And it's pretty because if we had more time, I could tell you all daily all the ins and outs of the chaos and depression and darkness when I was there alone and working through shit. There's, there's other things that I don't know if we'll ever be able to touch on, but I can talk about it for the first time on stage at least. And I can really reach out and share that story in a way that it's doing something good for me, but for other people and making them laugh and other things like that. And it grew my confidence to be able to talk about it with somebody like you and publicly to say, yes, I was an alcoholic and I'm a recovering alcoholic. And you know what? There's other things and drugs I had to cut out of my life, too. Nothing to the point where it, like, you know, like we were talking about yesterday. It's not like I was doing heroin. And I was going to ask, man, yeah, what are you doing? Yeah, crack <laughs> dinner or anything. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's like being an advertising agency, um, this is not something that we – did or people did it's more like if anything something i just did because i watched way too much Mad Men. but <laughs> i like uh my, my boss told me a story once and now i gotta be really careful i won't say where a boss told me a story once about how back in the 80s they would spell their names in coke <laughs> and go ahead and just i was like man you got a really long name so <laughs> I was rip a line on it. <laughs> <laughs> I was fascinated with that idea of living and living in that way. So would you use Greg or Gregory, man? <laughs> <laughs> it depends on how much coke I had. <laughs> so wild. Well, I appreciate you sharing that with us, uh, Greg. And I know I know you mentioned stand up. So where I mean, when's your next show? Where could people find you here in San Antonio? Uh, Thursdays is one of the best spots of jokesters over there in South town at uh, yeah. 8 PM. That's a very so, who want to go out and work on their craft and be the Michael Jordan of comedy. That's what they're about. They actually right. want to go and practice, go and support right people on. there. Um, you can, what? Go ahead. Good. Okay, I was I was gonna pitch myself a little bit more. Is that what you're gonna ask? Yeah, no, no, no. Go ahead. Yeah, I was, gonna, I was actually gonna tell you what's your what's your Instagram and yeah, yeah pitch so, yourself. You know, just because there was a bit of a gap in in the past two months. You know, business has been great, and I've been able to pick up clients and really find success in that way, and on social media too. And to go ahead and learn more about that, and to talk to me directly about it, go to gentlerenegades.com, where you can see my past experience. You can see more about what I'm doing and link out to my social media and actually email me or book a consultation. And then, of course, I'm on Instagram at Advertising Dude, the one and only. I've had it and I always get asked, like, how did you get that? And I was like, I don't know. I just was one of the first ones thought of it. <laughs> That's where you can DM me, ask me anything, pick my brain some more, and I'm always going to be there to answer. Right on, man. Right on. That's funny you mentioned your name. I whenever I uh, whenever I first met you through Instagram, of course, when we were going to shoot that content, I was always referring you as, I'm, "Oh, I'm going to go shoot the advertising dude, man. That's who I'm shooting." And I'd have people ask me, you know? <laughs> so, I, and then I, you know, I finally got your name. <laughs> I now I kind of I mix it up. I'll, I'll walk into a business if I've been talking to them on social, and I'll say, "Oh, I'm at advertising dude." So <laughs> that's well, brand, brand equity. You got to keep it. 
Right, right. Well, hey, Greg, I appreciate you coming on the show today. Um, I'm sure a lot of viewers out there are, are going to learn a lot from you. Again, reach out to Greg at, at Advertising Dude on Instagram. Uh, Greg, are you are you pretty uh, are you pretty active on Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, or what's what's probably your most active platform? It's going to be Instagram, definitely. Right on. So you can right reach on. out to me there. Awesome, Greg. Well, hey, thanks again. I uh, hope you have a great week, man. I'm flying out to Cali tomorrow, so I probably won't talk to you until next week. But I look forward to another coffee session, man. Thank you, sir. I'm looking forward to next week. Gent break, everybody. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. I forgot to mention that. So, gent break. We have our next meeting on Thursday. What is it? 29th? I do believe so. I think Thursdays, th- Fridays. Oh, no. It's Wednesday. So okay. it's Wednesday. Wednesday the 29th. So Wednesday the 29th at 6 p.m. We'll, we'll be meeting at the, the Putt Corner there in Southtown, uh, San Antonio, Texas, for our gym break meeting. Again, if you're a guy, no girls allowed, sorry. But if you're a guy and uh, <laughs> you're a guy, you enjoy cigars and a good conversation with uh, a bunch of smart dudes, come out. Come out and have fun. All righty, Greg. Well, take it easy, mate. We'll talk to you soon. And uh, yeah, bud, thanks again. Thanks for having me. Safe travels. All right. All right, Greg. Thank you. All right, guys. Thanks again for tuning in. Glad you could join us today. Uh, there's some options when you download the Anchor app, when you're tuning into this podcast, where you could actually send me voice messages. If you have any questions or wanting more information regarding a subject that we discussed, Go ahead and shoot it to me through the Anchor app, um, or you could always reach out to me on Instagram at Guru Presario. That's at symbol G U R U P R E S A R I O. I look forward to hearing from you guys, and uh, stay tuned for the next episode. Thanks again.